how many times a season does someone in a horrible British accent mispronounce the name of the Spanish island Ibiza? Like, how many times <laughs> do you hear, like, Ibiza or Ibiza or we have to go to Ibiza? This is Chapel Belkin, a UGA podcast about football and feelings. I'm Nathan. I'm Yara. And I'm Justin. Our fearless leader, the adult in the room, is back from... (laughs) The adult in the room? (laughs) Yeah, from... Oh, man. I'm not sure what you were doing as the adult in the room if you were working on a Roth IRA or contributing to your 401k or like buying a house for an affordable price on a living wage oh, or buddy. something. Justin, you're younger than me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, <laughs> this, it's actually pretty so. embarrassing that I'm like, oh, the, the mom's back. We gotta, we gotta act right now, guys. Anyway. pillows better be fluffed. Yeah. Everybody fluff pillows. Everybody, uh, we got to put the blankets back. We're going to do it wrong, but put the blankets on the couch. It'll be wrong, but it's okay. She'll appreciate it. Anyway. So that hits home. That hits home hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all had type A mothers just because of mm-hmm. they produce these kind of adults. So just because today, of who we are now. Yeah. But I mean, because of obviously look at our, our very clear traumas that we're all processing. So <laughs> today we are going to be previewing UGA's 2023 football season. Last week, if you missed it, there were some audio problems, but I thought it was a really good episode of just me and Yara, and we had Ross Rutledge on, and we talked about sort of college football writ large. We talked about every single conference, and not every single team, but a lot of the teams, and where they were coming from, a statistical uh, place. And this week, we are going to zoom in a little bit and talk about UGA's football season specifically, and just the schedule ahead of us and what we think is going to happen. And then we're going to hear some anecdotes, I guess you would say, from Yara. We are going to talk about some reality TV using football terminology. We are going to go into some specific stats about UGA season. And then we are going to do everyone's favorite segment, Ask CBC, followed by another segment that I think soon will become everyone's favorite segment, which is named to be revealed soon and involves (laughs) Justin and the enemies to lovers trope. So... Hello, everyone. First of all, Justin, you weren't with Hello. us last time. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I was laughing while you were talking about me being the adult in the room, and you were like, I don't know what Justin's been doing, if he's been working on like a Roth IRA or whatever the hell he's been doing. But um, really, I'm, I'm just going to condense my entire offseason into uh, my experience at Disney World just a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay. I went to Disney World for the first time in my life just a few weeks ago. I went with my dear friend, Anthony, and we had the most wholesome and perfect time that I very clearly needed, um, and I loved it. I went to three of the four parks in Disney World. Uh, it was everything I thought it would be and more. Um, I am currently wearing my little Mickey Mouse hat. Burp, 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 burp. I think that um, but the yeah, style I, of hat a, that you're wearing is, is proof that you are the adult in the room because you have a dad hat on with like an understory oh, yeah. logo. <laughs> It's a good hat. It's a really good hat. I needed it yeah. one day because we were there while uh, the humidity was so awful that the real feel was like 120 for three days straight there. Um, and so we were there from morning to night, um, opening clothes and riding all the rides, doing all the things and just drinking all the water and all the fluids. 
But after the first day, my hat was so gross that I had to buy a new hat. And that's why I have this one now. Um, I tried to work through like half the day without a hat. And then my poor Irish skin just came out super burnt. And so by, you know, middle of day two, definitely by day three, I needed another hat to, to wear in the park. But it was a fantastic time. If anyone wants to talk about Disney World, I will talk ad nauseum about it. Like, it was outstanding, and I want to go back already. And I don't know if that's embarrassing yet, but I'm leaning in. And uh, that's kind of what I'll say about my entire offseason. <laughs> that's – no, I, I think that if the last episode taught us anything, it's that you should live your truth. And if your truth is dad hats and Disney World visits and, you know, taking care of yourself like a self-care king, that makes me very happy. Let me be very clear, though, before anyone chimes, uh, you know, chimes in on this. I have not gotten to the point of self-referring as a Disney adult. I will not be calling myself a Disney adult. I will not accept Disney adult as a way to refer to me yet. Um, that is just where we're at now. <laughs> I will say that I did spend full disclosure the weekend with Justin and Justin's brother-in-law is at least Disney adult curious. And so I feel oh, yeah. like, I feel like if you're getting any of that influence, it's from Ryan who is going to listen to this. And so, yeah, Ryan, I'm calling you out. Uh, not that there's anything wrong Disney with being adult a Disney adult. Curious. Yeah. He's Ryan has had, I would say Ryan has some very closely parted JPEGs of like the Epcot ball on his phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, Yara, Yara, where are you at with um, with Disney things? What is your relationship to it? So, I was not, like, a huge Disney person growing up. My family didn't let me or any of my siblings, like, do the whole cable thing. So, my source of television entertainment was the Weather Channel and Animal Ooh. Planet. But I've been getting okay. into Disney okay. now. And it's kind of cool. Okay. Okay. It's kind of cool. I like the idea of you going to some like some like weather theme park or um yeah yeah like something along those lines that would be a little bit different like a theme park that's just about mid-latitude cyclones like it's all rotational rides <laughs> about like this one's the storm that sunk the Sir Edmund Fitzgerald or whatever <laughs> there <laughs> or was like a little publicly funded broadcasting mediums yeah that's oh, the oh, theme man. park for you now, that would be great if there was like a weather channel or no, not a weather channel. I'm sorry, a Noah theme park. And then next door mm -hmm. to it was like the C-SPAN theme park. And you can Ooh. like and in the C-SPAN theme park, you get to have like the House of Representatives experience. But it's not like, oh, you get to talk to the press and people know who you are. It's like you have to mark up an 800 page appropriations bill about corn subsidies or something. And then mm -hmm. you have to, like, take a vote on it. And then random people yell at you because you voted the wrong way on a corn subsidies bill. And it's like, welcome yeah. to that's how a bill is made, children. <laughs> welcome to civil service. And yeah. instead of Mickey Mouse at the being at the like the head of the parade every few hours, it's Ira Glass. And that's <laughs> it. It's like, this is Ira Glass. I'm here with the C-SPAN parade. <laughs> you ever thought about how we subsidize soybeans in this country? We use them for a lot Today of we're things. Talking about... <laughs> Today we're going to talk about soy lecithin and why it should be or should not be subsidized by the government. Stay with us. So, okay, here's, here's the a problem. I, yes, it was very good. Here's a problem I'm already seeing is that we have our show notes numbered and we are currently, per my audacity, 22 minutes in and we are not yet on number two. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. 
Yara, Billy Napier. I have you have an anecdote regarding Billy Napier, and I would like to hear it. Okay, so um, I would also like to say once again that I am now over the age of twenty one and do not condone underage drinking. Don't do it, kids. But now Good. that I am twenty one, I can go to all of the bars downtown, which I have absolutely never done before. Crazy. Um, the so last night, I know I was at Bar South and. There was this one guy there who, like, literally looked like a dead ringer for Billy Napier. And so I was naturally, like, a few shots in. Like, I was maybe two shots in a bottle of soju in. So I just walk right up to him and I'm like, hey, has anybody ever told you that you look like Billy Napier before? And he was like, yes, actually. And, like, I don't know what under what circumstances people are telling this man to his face that he looks like Billy Napier. Like, if somebody told me I looked like any given SEC head coach, I don't know if I would be mortified or complimented. Unless, of course, that, hmm, unless it was Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer's hot, and I will die on this hill. Thanks. <laughs> that was it. I know. Okay. In the it's okay. Episode, so I, didn't say Shane Be- I didn't say Shane Beamer wasn't hot. I just revealed myself as a dirty straight, and I just didn't get initially. I fully, I will fully cop to Shane Beamer is a short king. But what what I do want to say is, and, and this is, I was thinking about when you sort of previewed the story before we started recording. One of the things that I really don't like that we use as a euphemism when we talk about the behavior of young people, and particularly young women, is to say something is like risky behavior, as though that like a woman being herself is a risk, you know? Like, I think that's like a, a pretty bad linguistic choice. However, Going up to a stranger and asking them if they know that they look like Billy Napier is risky behavior. I hope you understand <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I was with my friends. I was with my dogs. Like, we were chill. But okay, WG. it was just for funsies. Things right. are safe. Well, I'm glad you got a good response. Hell yeah. So I know that another thing, you know, just let's get through the part of the college football podcast where we just talk about feelings and not college football. And let's end that before we get into the actual football part and then way well, out of the you football can part. You can it, you know? You can go yeah, back yeah. and forth. We're going to have some fo- We're going to – it's like you have to eat your weird shit veggies to get to your, like, college football dessert. Or, but depending on who you are when you listen to this, it might be reversed, you know? It might be that you have to eat your college football veggies to get to everything else. So, Yara wants to – Yara sent me, full disclosure – three unsolicited text messages at i think 347 last night a.m <laughs> and they one of them was i have to explain love island to you using college football terminology i just did it to one of my friends and it really worked now what i like about this precedent is that i think that we are starting a new like yara's dt corner where Yara just like starts to talk about something that occurred to her at like 4 a.m. the night before. So, and we'll workshop the name. I'm sure we can figure out something else like Yara after dark or whatever. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll go from there. But on our it's first episode. Like reli- it's glory days. It's, you know, we're, yeah. it, the theme of this season, I think, is that you wanted to connect to the youth. <laughs> yeah. And as the youth outreach coordinator and mm. with a listener base here at Chapel Bell Curve of much older than the average youth, I assume, um, it's sort of like, it's glory days. It's just like the glory days yeah. corner. Like, what you're so missing out on. We, we gotta like, it's gotta be like Gen Z, like, glory slays. Glo- oh. Okay. <laughs> Cook. 
It's like glory slays, and then it's the like nail emoji. You know what I mean? Yes. Several times. All right. On the first ever episode of Glory Slays, Yara oh talks God. about Love Island. I'm so glad you mentioned this. Okay. So I'm going to do my best to do this. Although the last time I did this was last night when I was, again, a bottle of soju and two shots deep. So like, and they were whiskey on top of that, which by the way, whiskey sounds ass. I hate the way it tastes. That shit is awful. But anyway, I did it (laughs) because I'm a college student and I will take alcohol. We're gonna have we're gonna have to loop back around to your whiskey comments, but I want first. Let's do Glory Slays. Hit it. Okay. So, how familiar are you guys with Love Island? It's a reality I'm show. Fairly that is familiar. The, that is the extent of my knowledge. I, okay. I my understanding of Love Island. I'll give you the the extent of it. Is that it is kind of like it's a ro- like a romantic show. It's it's a, a reality TV show about romance of some kind, but they're all british mm-hmm. i think and they're on presumably some sort of landlocked or waterlocked <laughs> area presumably an island and i i think they get voted off um and i think it happens live okay here's that's another it. question that's all i got to what extent how many times a season would we say before you give me these metaphors do they fall in love <laughs> no 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 i don't i don't care about that constantly Nathan. how many times how many times a season does someone in a horrible British accent mispronounce the name of the Spanish island Ibiza? Like, how many times <laughs> do you hear, like, Ibiza or Ibiza or we have to go to Ibiza? They don't go anywhere, though. They stay on the island, I assume, right? Oh, the, I oh, think they stay on the like, island. This is like a Big Brother kind of deal. Is it on an island? I get to teach you guys now. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> All right. Everyone gather around. Okay, so Love Island is basically like, and there are different like versions of Love Island. There's like Love Island Australia, Love Island Sweden, Love Island America. The American one is kind of garbage, except for this season, because there were two girls that are, I think are now coupled up. I saw it on Twitter, which is like gay rights. So like, but the British one is like the OG one, right? And it's people from all over the United Kingdom. So like Ireland and Wales, that's a country. And mm-hmm. Britain. Yeah, I know my geography. No, um, don't tell any don't tell any Irish person Irish that you think that, that Ireland's part of the United, United Kingdom, Kingdom, first off. Is it not? Northern Ireland Northern is. Ireland, Ireland proper, proper is not. Okay, sorry, Irish just people. To be, I didn't mean just to. Just to be clear. It's okay. I'll write a, I'll write a Nobes app apology about it. We can edit that part oh. out. Oh. <laughs> I like this I idea. Like this okay, idea. Go okay, go on. Okay. So, Love Island basically has like a bunch of people from everywhere over there and it's like five guys and five girls to start with and they all get coupled up through one way or another and i would say this is kind of like the recruitment season of college football where like we're just figuring out who these people are this is like preseason where we're learning and we like see little clips everywhere on all the football social media channels and yeah then the season starts both on love island and in college football and these five, these five guys and five girls all get coupled up. And now they're like all five couples. But then there are like bombshells. And I would say those are like upsets to, or like potential upsets, like on the sickos meter. And <laughs> they can be like really hot. Some of them are ugly. Some of them are, nah. 
But it's fun because they go in and they'll just like pick somebody to be in a couple with. And all of a sudden they're in a couple. And the person that the other person was in a couple with is now single. And if you're single, you're vulnerable. And you get at risk of like getting dumped off the island. And let's see, how can I compare this? I would just say like potential upsets to ruin any potential chances of going to like a bowl game or postseason. Kind of Mm. like, oh God. Hmm. Like LSU and Bama last year, I think. Mm -hmm. So can I, hold on, can I pause you briefly? So, and just correct me if I'm wrong. The whole premise of this show relies on the fact that all of these people are presumably attractive on some scale and we are willing to just have lots of basically no strings attached sex maybe i don't know if they have sex okay so like in the recruiting season does a producer say to them you have to be in a couple is that like part of the rules or does it just happen because they're all young and horny and drunk no, the, the rules are you have to be in a couple. But you don't start out like it's like nine strangers and you have to be Pick in to a, live in a home. Yes, you also live in like a villa. Okay. Okay. So then they're up to have their lives changed off. forever. Okay. So what happens? Like, what is their version of like the college football playoff? Like, what's um, like, as I would you say, get to the season? Hmm. Like the finale. There are so. Eventually, um, these people are all in couples, right, for a really long time. Some people come, some people go, everyone's chilling, some couples get start to get, like, solidified, and that's when, like, in the middle of the season, and it's, like, just kind of fun. And I would say specifically for the UGA season, Georgia versus Florida is, like, Casa Amor. Now, Casa Amor is when either all the boys or all the girls in the villa go to another separate villa, and they get, like five more people or six more people of the opposite gender thrown at them. And the people at the original villa also get five people of the opposite gender or six or however many there are also thrown at them. And they're all hot. They're all supposed to be hot. But the guys are normally ugly. The girls are the only hot ones. So that's like mid-season like rivalry. That's like the famous. Is that like how long do they have around these new people? Or is it just like here's some Oh, like a week. So it's not just like, here's some new cuts of meat or whatever. They And they have to decide. Yes. They have to decide whether to stick with the new person or come back home to the old person. But the other people don't know what the, like the people on one villa don't know what the people at the other villa are doing. Ah, uh, so it's like a prisoner's dilemma. Kind of I don't Ooh. know what that is, but so true. That's game theory. <laughs> so, and then... Okay, I'm with you so far. And then what happens to the people, the new people who come in who don't get picked? They just leave. Oh, so like you're, if you're coming in in the Casa Amor part, like you're like, you got to be like ready to, ready to rock. You're trying yeah. to like make your way. You're you trying to be ready use to all your best seduction. seduction. Yes. Yeah, so what they call like raising someone up grafting. Okay. You used Dude. two different. Hold on, <laughs> you said you said two things. I don't know. I know rizzing someone up. I don't know grafting. That's the same thing. Grafting is just a British way of saying rizzing. Okay. Do you know the etymology of that like, term? 
It's just like flirting with somebody, right? Like, like yes. using all your charm. Your yes. charisma, yeah. If you risk someone up, it's like it's like in particular that you've like like spit a good game. Like you've talked well, you know. And there are all sorts of different kinds of riz. Okay. So what's the end game here? So we get like the Florida game cost some more. We're cutting down. And then like, how do you win? Um, you win by going all the way to the finale and getting the most public votes. So it's not really about love. So no. this is like um, um, if American Idol controlled your Tinder profile, it sounds like. Yes! <laughs> exactly. So like okay. after, they, after they come back from Casa more, there's like a bunch of drama that always goes down. And there are also different like challenges. And I would compare those to like cupcake games because they're not like that deep, mm. but they have the potential, mm. like very, very slight potential to be that Right, deep. to go wrong, to go horribly wrong. Yes. Okay. And there's also a thing called movie night. And movie night is when... It comes after Casa more, And it's basically when, like, the guys and the girls are on different teams and they answer questions, like, that are normally sex-related. And whoever gets the answer right or closest to right gets to pick, like, a movie-themed thing, like a clip, a video clip, about what somebody else did at a villa, like at Casa more or at the main villa. I would say okay. that's, like, bowl season. Okay. Okay. But it's that, bowl season so they, for they like not really college like, football playoff. They they can like read people like with the pick that they make. Like like they choose a movie thing to make fun of what someone else did. Yes, or to expose them for like okay some shady shit. Like if they made out with somebody. Mm. Oh okay. And then you win by getting the most votes, but presumably like. How often the person who wins is it usually or the couple who wins? Is this usually like like uh, like a couple that everyone's rooting for or do they like win ironically because they're horrible? Good question. I think normally they win based off of who likes them the most. But in my opinion, this season's winners were based off of like who who people thought were the most entertaining because I didn't agree with who won, which is a hot take. Mm. Mm. It's kind wow. of like a bunch of people saying that Georgia didn't deserve to win an Addy this year because they were just like, ooh, the schedule was got too it, easy. Right. They keep talking right. about it. Yeah. If X, Y, or Z happened, it would have been different. I, but I, it didn't. I, I have a second question. Well, I have, I have a third. I have several questions, but we have a limited amount of time. So question number two, and my last question about Love Island uh, before, and I, and I open this up to Justin as well for any questions. Um. In what context did you decide last night at like, we'll say three, that someone in your group needed to have Love Island explained to them using college football terms? So basically not to dox where I live, but I live close enough to downtown where I can walk. And a lot of my friends were with me and they live like Ubering distance away. But the Ubers downtown were like 50 bucks. So I invited them over. And we were just like hanging out for a little bit while we were waiting for the Uber to get there. And we started talking about college football because that's what my friend group does. And I, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends also watch Love Island. And so mm-hmm. my mind just kind of put the two together. I was like, damn, like, you know what this season re- or you know what this season of Love Island reminded me of? Because it just ended the college football playoff. I don't know how I made that connection in my head, but I don't know. The whiskey did something. So I guess it's not all that shitty. Okay, so this is a good segue into my second question. 
Have you ever <laughs> had whiskey that didn't come out of like a well at a bar at 2 a.m.? Um, no, but this one didn't come out of a well. It came out of a little shooter bottle. What kind and of it? And it was apple flavored. Oh, yeah. That's not whiskey. Yeah, that's oh. not whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, God. Okay, so, Justin, we got to, like, meet them downtown at some point. Um, <sighs> oh, my God. Chapel Book so trip hard. downtown? Field trip? It's so hard being a father sometimes. <laughs> In a future episode, maybe I'll – I think that I'll, I'll reintroduce the concept of shitty bar review to you because I think it's something you and your friends need, and I want to gift this to you as something my friends and I used to do. It was basically where we would all get really into – we would take little notepads – to all the bars downtown and we would have like we would chart out a path that we were going to take and then we would go to each of these bars and have a drink and we would have like a standardized test for each of the bars in order for us to find what we believed would would allow us to know which of the bars was the shittiest bar in Athens and it was always fantastic like it, it resulted in us like asking for things on the most bottom of shelves in some bars, we actually asked for like a like a a towel and cleaner to clean some of the bars because it was so gross. <laughs> like, great times, That's genius, yeah. Um, well, and then we would review our notes the next day together over breakfast. It was great. Before I before I end our glory, our first first ever and hopefully first of many glory slay Yara's glory slays. Uh, I do want to say that I think the next glory slays segment should be let's buy Yara whiskey that is actual whiskey and not just like corn-based malted liquor and then mm-hmm. taste it together. And then we can talk about like, anyway, do you have anything else about Love Island? Justin <laughs> questions. <laughs> no, I think I get it. I think I understand. Yeah, it I think I get part. it too. I, get I think it too. I do. And I don't is where yeah. I'm at. No, I, I, I get the appeal. I get the appeal of like, these are, I mean, it is much like the SEC where it's like, these are ruthless, amoral parties that are just like gonna like fuck each other to death for a year for our enjoyment. And like, I would say that on a metaphorical level, that's what happens in SEC football. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so now we are, I don't know, like a half hour in or something. I don't know what's going to be on the final edit, but. Now that we've gotten through that, let's let's preview UGA's football season. So I think yeah. there's kind of two ways that we want to do this, or that I, I think we should do this. First, I'm going to just run you through uh, Yara and Justin. I I would say, and I mean this with love in my heart, maybe like the, the, the two people on this podcast who are a little bit less statistically inclined. I'm going to run you through CBCR2, our predictive metric, our power metric provided for us by uh, the great Ross Rutledge over at r2sportsmetrics.com. And just talk about what the numbers say our season should be like. And then I'm going to pose some more uh, philosophical questions to you using a very good Ask CBC uh, that we got, an Ask CBC question that we got as a starting point. So over at CBCR to the homepage, which is r2sportsmetrics.com, I'm going to just keep on you know, hitting it. So what Ross has done is that he's done 10,000 simulations for the coming season to provide us with win total probabilities. And currently, UGA has somewhere between a 41.4% chance of winning 11 games and a 36% chance of winning 12 games. And then a 0.179, or or, sorry, 17.9% chance of winning 
10 games. This is per his predictions. And then it kind of goes down from there. Eight games is 4% or yeah. And then seven games, it looks like is like less than a percent. It like really falls off after that. So the money are the statistics tell us that this is either going to be most likely an 11 and one or 12 and zero season. If we look at sort of our power ranking where CBCR2 sees us in the preseason model that we currently have, it has us as the number one team with the number one overall CBCR2 grade of 26.5. Just as a brief refresher slash review, the way CBRC2 does is it, what it does is it tells you how many points would this team score against an average team and how many points would they give up against the average team. So we currently have UGA as having the best defense in the nation at 14.2. And I think the third or fourth best uh, offense in the nation at 40.7. So we would say that in simplistic terms, we would we would predict UGA to, to surrender 14 points against an average college football team and score 41-ish points against an average college football team. You take offense, you subtract defense, and you end up with the CBCR2 number, which ours is 26.5. We are a 1.1 points out from Ohio State, who's the number two team. Alabama is the number three team, and we are, I guess, two and a half points above them. And then there's a, kind of a pretty big gap to Michigan as the number four team, and we are 5.1 points above them in our CBCR2 metric. So our numbers tell us that this team is going to be the best team in the nation probably and has a very high chance of going 12 and 0 or 11 and 1. We have currently per the CBCR2 predictive model, we have 11.7 wins as our average win total and then 1.3 losses. We have a 91.1% chance to make the, the uh, conference championship game. By the way, those wins or losses are for the regular season only, but still even with that like predicted one-ish loss on average we have a 91.1% chance to make the conference championship game and then a 56.9% chance to win the conference. Our CFP odds currently with our preseason model give us a 69.3% chance to make the team of four and just under a 50% chance to make the national title game at 49.6 and then a 32% chance to win the national title game. Keep in mind that the, the next most likely team to win the national title per our numbers is Ohio State with a 22.9% chance. Part of the reason that uh, our numbers love UGA so much is that we have a very easy schedule. Uh, we have, I think, the cupcakeiest of cupcakey schedules this year. One of the easiest schedules that a number one team has probably ever had, I would say. this mm-hmm. A lot of this came because we lost the Oklahoma home game, which was supposed to happen this year. But having said all of that, if we take that as sort of our baseline, UGA should be the best team in the nation this year. They should have the best defense in the nation. I think personnel-wise, maybe even a better defense than last year, even having lost Jalen Carter. If we take that as a best as a baseline and we say UGA should win 11 or 12 games in the regular season, right? Then I would like to sort of pose our season preview through a question that was asked by one of our very smart patrons in the Ask CBC. If we take that as a baseline... Then what I would like to have a discussion with the two of you with is I want to I want to sort of start it using this question that we got from one of our very, very nice patrons at the SCBC Discord channel. 
This was from Jay Anderson 25. And by the way, you could also be asking questions to us. If you pay as little as $1 a month for our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. So anyway, Jay Anderson 25, he asked us this question, which I think is a really good way to look at this season. What would you consider to be a successful season? And if I, and if I can provide a little maybe editorial context, I would say even more specifically, what would you consider a successful season of UJ football to look like this year? I open the floor. It's such a broad, open-ended question mm-hmm. because I don't want to go straight to you got to win it all again. Like where where is our you know where is our floor at this point after we've done it twice in a row, mm-hmm. and where is our ceiling? You know, our ceiling is mm-hmm. obviously winning the national championship again. I think that's that's perfectly within reason for this team uh, who is still on this team. I think similar to last year, I think our question for ourselves was you know is the floor for this team just creating sort of that systematic sort of dynastic feeling that we all sort of hope and desire for and what i mean by that is do we do we continue to reload i think that last year you had a a differentiation nathan as well between like reloading and something else but i i I can't remember exactly how you put it but um like a good team hmm i can't remember what it was I think I said, like, is UGA going to reload or are we going to just, like, retool and go straight in? Like, just reloading versus the sort of next class of five stars just stepping in seamlessly. If yeah, you'll, if I think you'll forgive probably, me, yeah. Yeah, if you'll forgive me kind of like a bad gun again metaphor, it's like reloading versus rechambering, right? Like, is sure. we, I mean, because that's what the metaphor is, right? It's like most yeah. college football teams, you got to totally reload the the weapon but if you were at the alabama level it's just like the next next gun the next bullet in the chamber right mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's kind of what it is it's like who who are the next next guys like um i think that a, a success to me looks like feeling remaining confident in and, and being able to trust the coaching staff like we don't see a misstep at any point we don't see like uh you know like a, a any sort of vulnerabilities in the armor that is georgia at this point and it's not that's not me saying like i need them to continue winning at the same rate it's more like i to me success looks like making sure that we're, we're, we're keeping the culture going in the right direction. Um, and that does also involve a lot of the off season things that we've been, been, you know, worrying about. It's like, right. You know, keeping right. those things under wraps and keeping those things taken care of and yeah. uh, becoming more non-existent than they, they have been. Yeah, I, I agree. I think those of us who remember the Mark Rick tears and a coach who was a really good coach and a good person, mm-hmm who never seemed to be able to put it all together with the level of precision and sort of professionalism that this staff has been able to, I think Mm -hmm. that that is a a very important distinction. So sort of going to a generation younger of UJ football fan, Yara, to you, and there is no right answer to this question, what does a successful 2023 UJ football season look like? I mean, like Justin said, that's like really broad and... I've been thinking about this question a lot just because, like, I know that I don't have the most experience as a college football fan. And thus, I don't have the same level of, like, I don't know if nuance is the right word here. But I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about Georgia when Mark Rick was coach here because I was still living in Chicago where college football is just, like, a joke, you know? As is the (laughs) NFL because fuck the Bears, but anyway. 
Like, I think at the end of the day, what I would consider a successful season to be on one hand is, you know, undefeated, blah, 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 blah. Like we make it all the way. Cause that's kind of what's expected of us, right? We have an easy schedule. We have a stacked team. We're back to back champs. That's kind of like what is on par for us at this point. Like if we do anything less than that, it's not like that's just not, you know, normal. Feel that's not bad, Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, and this I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I don't know if I would prefer a quote successful unquote season in terms of like being undefeated and winning everything by a lot and doing all that because last season kind of like last season was great and historic and yay back-to-back national championships in the college football playoff era and hooray but like was it fun to watch apart from like games where we thought we were in danger we were like actually playing was it fun I I personally prefer the 2021 season to last season just because we experienced loss, you know, we experienced loss a lot and we had to fight for what we had. And when we lost, it hurt a lot. I remember I was literally crying into Nathan. Like I was just a mess. <laughs> and because of that loss, the the next win felt that much more real. And the win after that and winning the Natty and everything like felt amazing. Last year was also amazing, but it was in a different way. It was just, yeah, we were undefeated and we won and hooray. You could even feel it like downtown because I was downtown, of course. And you could even feel it, in my opinion. Like it wasn't the same vibe and it wasn't the same energy on campus or off campus as 2021. So I don't know if I would, like for me personally, I don't know if I would consider an undefeated season to be a successful season. I want this season to feel you know, good. And nothing will ever feel as good as 2021 because we broke a 41 year, you know, natty streak. But I would prefer feeling more like that season than I would to the 2022 season. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Uh, to me, I wanted to ask this question because it's, it's very much about your context and your history with the sport. So I kind of think that a successful season is make the SEC championship game. Based on our sort of early levels of simulations of the game, uh, and this is without our in-season model that I know Ross is working on, that we basically have us winning most of our games this year by upwards of 20 points. Who we play in the SEC championship game, that's going to be probably us favored by a touchdown or less if our predictions hold true. And so if you get to that game and that game is something close to a coin flip, I don't really care what happens the rest of the time, right? And if you don't get to that game, it's either because a team has had an unexpectedly good season, like maybe Tennessee, or it's because you, the like UGA has so monumentally screwed the pooch that they don't, they, they're not even eligible, you know, in, in the standings. So I think as long as you are in Atlanta on December 2nd or 3rd or whatever it is this year, I think it's a successful season because at that point it's like, you win if you go to Atlanta and you win uh, what should be a touchdown or less game, then everything else is kind of gravy to me, right? It's the last mm-hmm. year of the four team playoff, and so much of what happens in any given season at the top level of college football comes down to seeding and schedules and just a 
injuries in a series of like, you know, basically coincidences, right? So as long as you get there and you, you have a chance to get a seat at the table, I think it's all gravy. And I, and let me use that to sort of transition us into our next question. Uh, and this can be a little bit shorter of an answer, but I have just in the chat to our uh, Discord call, I have just put the link to Georgia's football schedule this year. So mm-hmm. my question is, who are we scared of in this hmm. this lineup? <laughs> Anybody, um, you, look, you, you look at the schedule, just as, as the spirit moves you, who, who scares you here? I mean, it, scared is a strong word, but I don't want to get too big for my britches, you know? These yeah. britches need to fit me for the whole, whole mm-hmm. you know, live long season. But I will say um, Tennessee is my mm-hmm. immediate um, thought, especially since it's in Nayland Stadium. Um, I would normally say Ole Miss because I keep expecting every year for Ole Miss to be better than they are, and they just aren't. But um, you can't trust Lane. Lane trains coming to Athens, and uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then I think that a lot of people are saying because, I, like a lot of people that are are my age and older, I feel like they're still they're still working through a lot of their their football trauma, and that football trauma tells them to be afraid, very afraid of South Carolina starting the uh, you know SEC play season right there at the beginning, um, there on September sixteenth. So I think those um, for different reasons are the teams I would be afraid of. What about you, Yara? Any fear in your heart? I mean, again, like Justin said, I don't know if scared is the right word. And I'm, that's not even mm. in like a cocky way. That's just in like a these are the facts way. Yeah. Like, yes, our – I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not even particularly nervous about anything. Like Tennessee is kind of like a little bit of a – blood pressure racer i guess but not to like an alarming level if that makes sense like i'm not about to go to my doctor and ask about my cholesterol (laughs) levels for tennessee um i might go to my doctor and ask about my blood pressure levels for Ole miss maybe but that's just because i want to i want to meet lane kiffin really badly i don't think Mm. (laughs) i want to be friends yeah i think that's that's the love island energy coming out Lane and I, I want to ship post my friend Lane Kiffin on our favorite platform, X.com. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, and I, and I agree. I think, to me, Tennessee is the one you worry about. Neyland Stadium is traditionally a house of horrors if you go back to, you know, all the way back to the 80s. But other than that, I mean, we should probably beat every team on this schedule by a touchdown or more. Uh, Kentucky is another one that you think about, you know, I don't know that I think Kentucky is going to be that good this year, but they're, they are a very well-coached team with a good system. And then, you know, Spencer Rattler as the quarterback at USC, he's shown that he is a high variance enough team or quarterback that he can beat teams with more talent, but let's sort of depart from the even farther from the stats and get more into narrative land opinion land. So one of the games that my anxiety likes to make me play, one of my coping mechanisms before I became a Selexa girly was to play the worst case scenario <laughs> game where I would be like, okay, so what's the worst case scenario in this in this situation? Well, I'm having a panic attack about eating too much salt and my blood pressure going too high and me dying. So the worst case scenario is I have a stroke and die. Or maybe it's that I have a stroke and then I'm like non-ambulatory on one side of my body because I had a stroke. And I lose some of my like sort of brain power and my ability to talk quickly, which is how I make my money. Wow. Basically every wow. Level. 
So yeah, that's the worst case scenario <laughs> game. So I don't do this anymore for the record. I, I hope my wife can hear me. I am on, I am medicated. I'm, I'm good. We don't play that game anymore, but it is, this is how I know I don't have uh, like a clinical anxiety also, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing anyway. it written out in that way. So what is the most humiliating, heartbreaking, humbling? What is the, what is the worst case scenario regular season loss? And I don't just mean, oh, we lose to Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. I need I need I need you to to pull your guts out. I need you to to put your heart on the table. What happens in a loss this season in the regular season that would most make you put on cautious clay the weekend whatever and just like be in your feelings? Probably a Georgia Tech loss because <laughs> it's the last one we're going to have. Oh my god. Um, oh like my the, god. The last 11 and really 0 going into one. the Tech game. Oh my god. Yeah. 11-0, lose Georgia Tech, and it's oh. the last time we really see them in like a scheduled regular season game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be that. That's very cathartic. In Atlanta. Oh, my God. And then we still go to the SEC championship, and it's just but like we're 11-1, and, like, and we lost to Georgia are Tech. You- <laughs> oh. <laughs> we lost to Georgia Tech. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, are you guys okay? And the answer is no, we're not okay. No, absolutely Yara. not. Yara, your answer. Also Georgia Tech, because like we're 11 and 0 going into the final game, and this is the last time we're going to see them in Atlanta, which is like, you know, it's kind of expected that we beat them. It's Georgia fucking Tech, and they just like not only kick our ass, but like whoop it to the floor, you know, just like repeated <laughs> spanking. That would be humbling. Like I would just be silent for the rest of the week. It'd be and that's funny. that's also coming right up on finals week. So like I'm yeah. going into finals week with this like weighing on me i don't think i would be Mm. able to study now let me prove to you why i'm going to give my answer and i'm going to prove to you why i'm currently a selexa girly so here to me (laughs) here's my worst case scenario okay you play the first you play the first six or seven games coming into the bye week and you just demolish everybody the best team you play team you play in that chunk is either south carolina or kentucky and you win that game you win both those games by 20 points I mean, you're just tearing through your schedule. You go into the bye week, no major injuries. You like you run rule Vanderbilt, right? Okay. Now, simultaneous to this, uh, Florida has had a better than an expected season. Now we're in the second year of Billy Napier, and Billy Napier has said, "Be patient, be patient." Like it's going to take some time. Florida starts the season by going to Bryce Eccles, and they beat Utah. Right? It's a huge deal. Now. Their next few games, right? They beat the crap out of McNeese. They beat Charlotte. They beat Kentucky. Third game of the season, close loss to Tennessee. Three points or less, right? Then they come in. They beat Vanderbilt. They beat South Carolina. They, they've, at this point, they have they have a, a, a top 15 win in Rice-Eccles against Utah. And they're coming into the Florida-Georgia game. We're undefeated. They're probably a top 15, maybe a top 10 team at this point. Because, you know, they're doing it on spoken mirrors, but Utah is a hard place to play. Okay, so we we, we play this game. Uh, it's raining. It's just like ass poor raining, but it's still hot outside somehow, you know, so you can't really be comfortable in a jacket. And you would have an umbrella, but like it's really windy, but the wind isn't making it any less hot. And we lose. And I would say probably there's a major injury involved in the loss and maybe also a bad ref call. One that's like bad but not so egregious that it just like it it overshadows the game so we lose and it's like a three-point loss right uh which you know maybe florida's having a dream season and of course you know it sucks that florida's that florida has um 
they've already, you know, it, it sucks to lose to Florida in any way. But yeah. the st- the sting is lessened because, like, oh, this is a pretty good team, right? Florida runs the table. We run the table. Florida gets into the SEC championship on uh, on a uh, – what's the word? On to tiebreakers, right? And then just gets demolished by Alabama <laughs> and LSU. Just, like, <laughs> evaporated by Alabama and yep. LSU. Now, Florida is going to – I guess it would be the Fiesta Bowl or whatever the SEC tie-in and bowl is because the Sugar Bowl is in the CFP this year. Or no, they, Florida goes to the Peach Bowl. We get bumped down. We might go to the Capital One Bowl if we don't make the CFP, which we wouldn't because we lost to Florida. But then on there's like a freak recruiting kind of event where uh, it's revealed that Billy Napier it, you know, has secretly been buying cocaine for all his recruits or something and billy napier gets fired on like january 2nd so we're 11 and 1 we just beat somebody meaningless in the capital one bowl billy napier got fired so all of the all of our pain was for nothing because now they have to restart and they're going to suck again but it doesn't matter how much we beat them by next year because they have a new coach and they still have this win over us that knocked us out of the national championship and into the capital one bowl and that's a worst case scenario anyway hey then buddy <laughs> is everything okay? Yeah, no. Like, no, I love you. Not. Are you good? <laughs> no, this is how. Look, look, I have severe UGA trauma, and the two national titles have been great. And my mom, the two national titles have been great. I'm about to get a national championship ring. I'm in a good situation, right? But my last game <laughs> as a red coat, I lost seven to ten to UCF in the Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. That was my last game as a red coat. And then I had to walk through the pouring rain knowing it was the last time I was going to wear that uniform and maybe the last time I was going to go to a Georgia game. Right? Like, I have seen pain happen on such a fundamental level that it's hard for me to trust (laughs) that these good things are real. And I don't know how this... Well, hey, uh, here's a show about football and feelings. So let's make it better. So best case scenario. So obviously the best case scenario is 12-0. and 0. I was still processing. Rollercoaster. It's a roller coaster. You guys, like, you guys clearly could not get an English degree. This is how every English major I know is. Anyway, so best case scenario. I mean, The obvious yeah, best, best case, case scenario... Case, Best case scenario is 12 and 0 win the national title. But that's not why we watch football as Yara, you know, sort of revealed like just winning everything, beating everybody 20, 20 points. That's not really the best case scenario, right? So what specifically could happen this season? What is the best case scenario version of this season? And and let me give you let me give you an example of how I would answer this question to maybe give you time to think about it. All right? Best case scenario is we win the Natty we go for the three-peat. It's historic, right? But there's a small story moment inside of this season, okay? That's what we want. Yeah. And so the story moment that I care about, it happens Saturday, September 30th at Jordan-Hare Stadium, okay? <laughs> and I'm assuming because it's the Deep South Oldest rivalry and they have a new coach, there's – I would have to see what else was happening that weekend. But there's a decent chance that, depending on what other games are on that weekend – that that's the 330 SEC spot. If not, maybe it's the seven o'clock game. So it's it's a relatively big game. Uh it's the fourth game of the season. Auburn has probably had a pretty good win at 
uh, at Cal, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they eked out a win against Texas A&M. Maybe they're two and two. Doesn't matter. Here's the story moment I want. I want to beat Auburn so badly that all of the stolen church money falls out of Hugh Freeze's pockets. I want to beat him so badly that he's tithing to the First Baptist Church of Auburn for the rest of his life just from the loose change that we knocked out of his fucking white starch khakis. I want to run that motherfucker out of Opelika County on a goddamn board. And then he can go back to whatever Jerry Falwell ass institution that he hails from and not bother me with his bloated, gout faced, used car salesman, son of a bitch looking face for the rest of my life. Nathan, whatever I'm going to say is not is not going to top that. All right, fine. Let's go to the next thing. What's the next segment? I want I want a story and I want that story now. Yeah, I want to see like just like. Carson Beck or Kirby Smart, like Mario jump into Hugh Freeze's ass like one of those question blocks in Mario, and all the yeah. coins just fall out of it. Yeah. Ba-ding, ba-ding, and out of, his, out of his head comes all of the hypocrisy that he's ever stuffed in to his bloated Macy's Thanksgiving gay looking ass parade float head. <laughs> and just, and like, while I'm on the subject, I... I consider myself ethically to be a horizontally ethical person. I think that my morals and ethics are based on a fundamental principle, not on the hierarchies of society or a power structure from above me. So I don't like to say that other people are bad people. So I don't know if Hugh Freeze is a bad person, but he is a sanctimonious hypocrite. And I want him to be physically in perfect health for the rest of his life. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to touch him. If I could do anything, it would be put him on a vitamin regimen so that he would live forever and have perfect <laughs> health because I want him to have to roll in the indignity of his own humiliation until the heat death of the universe. Just want him to have a bad time. That's, yeah. You know, just a bad time. We're, we haven't even started this season yet. That's how much I hate you, Freeze. Just wait till the Auburn preview. Anyway. Let's do everyone's favorite segment. Ask CBC. <laughs> Justin, lead this. I need to like wipe my face with just a handkerchief. Have a moment. Yeah, just <laughs> full suit of linen in church. Nathan's gonna wipe his face with his kerchief. Uh, ask CBC segment. Like Nathan said before, if you would like to hear your questions answered on the episode, feel free to send those in. Oh, I gotta. I can't say Twitter or X.com anymore. Um, Blue sky. I don't know what to do with all that. Just send us some. Get it to us. Get on Patreon email me. or email yeah. chapelbellcurvegmail.com um, or any of us personally. Here's I another. Hold on. Am, hold on. I can tell you another way to get get them to us. Uh-huh. This Saturday at the UT Martin game, I will be mm-hmm. around the Caesar phone truck behind, beside the MLC three to four hours before the game. Walk up to me. Do not speak to me or look me in the eye. Shove <laughs> your Ask CBC question into my golf pant khaki pocket and then leave. Please do. Do not introduce yourself. Do not. That's unimportant. Yeah, that's part of this um, for me. I have also thus far uh, decided that I am not going to get onto Blue Sky because I do not want more social media in my life. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And so this, I'm letting my social media obsession with Twitter die with Twitter at this point. Mm, I might come mm-hmm. around, but we'll see what happens. But the first question comes from Cap Falcon. What is the next IP that Larian Studios should make a sprawling RPG about? And those of you that are not aware, 
Valerian Studios is. This is who made Baldur's Gate 3, which is all a buzz on the internet currently. Baldur's Gate 3 is, of course, uh, the third installment of a series about the fictional town of Baldur's Gate, which is in the fictional universe of Faerun, which is the Dungeons and Dragons universe. So, question stands. What is the next IP the Larian Studio should make a sprawling RPG about? Well, I, you know, I think it has to be horny because Baldur's oh, it's Gate got, 3. It's going to be horny. Baldur's Gate 3 is the horniest, like, is the horniest game I've ever played, and it's not particularly close. So, <laughs> hmm. Barbie? Is that anything? Oh, Love Island. Ooh. That would be pretty good. I like that. I do, I do want to briefly pause you and say that Faerun is the continent, not the universe. Not the world, you're right. On which... <laughs> the Baldur's Gate main setting is. Thank you. Nathan, um, actually me. <laughs> um, yeah, actually? well, did you just hear what I said about Hugh Freeze, dude? I'm like on you fire. <laughs> like my, my, my think, blood is burning. I know you said this jokingly, but I do think that Love Island would make a great sprawling like dialogue tree RPG um, for this. Like the whole point of Baldur's Gate is like your able to choose your different, you know, um, your dialogue choices and it changes the game and it, you know, everybody remembers what you say and do and it changes everything in the future. Like that is Love Island. Like we are like the whole point. Let's take a trip for a second back to the beginning of Chapel Bell Curve when we realized that football <laughs> is just another nerddom. It's another fandom. And there are more things that are similar between those of us that enjoy things like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and football, then there are differences. And this is another one of those things that Love Island is just, it's D&D. It's a tabletop role-playing game. <laughs> but for hot, sexy people who want to be famous and on TV. Tell me I'm wrong. I like that one. No, that's really good. Now, I'm, I was trying to think about in our theme of youth outreach coordinator. Mm -hmm. Is specifically the the out of the race drama of an f1 season is that anything could we make a video game of that like an rpg not a driving game there are a lot of good driving games like i want to make f1 track manager but horny that's already a thing it's called Rick, f1 manager on. is is the video game you're saying there's a video game f1 manager game that is itself horny I don't know if it's horny, but, but I do you know are it horny for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Toto Wolf no, is but in I it. Wanna... That makes it pretty horny. Okay. I feel like all of these discussions, have you guys seen the scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where uh, Dennis is pitching a movie and it, the movie is basically just porn? He's like, we have a movie, but we show full penetration. And they're like, yeah, they make those. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. It's a movie. Dolph Lundgren's in it. But, you know, he's a scientist and he's a superhero and he saves the day and then he goes back and he bangs his assistant and we show all of it. And they're like, yeah, that's what this <laughs> is called. I feel like that's what we're doing to video games. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Next question. <clears throat> this one comes from Jay Anderson 25. Um, he says, Nathan, I think it was four to five years ago, but you said something about how you could tell Kirby was having an impact because he was reducing the number of, quote, ifs that it would take to be a national championship. 
that approach has fundamentally shifted how I think about programs going into a season, and it gives me a baseline to judge my priors against as the season gets going. Open parentheses. In short, thank you for helping me think about thinking. Close parentheses. I know that was a really long setup for me to bring you my question. Could you uh, and Justin and Yara run through your lists of preseason, quote, ifs, lists, lists for the contenders? Um, and he lists UGA, Michigan, Bama, OSU, FSU, LSU, maybe Oregon, USC, Clemson, Texas. So All right, what I, are some ifs I, for us? I, you have some good ones about UGA, so I'll leave you the UGA one. Yeah, I mean, Bama, I, I can kind of start there. Yeah, that's yeah, easy. Do UGA real quick. I think for UGA, the biggest questions I think we have are um, if Beck is truly the guy or alternatively, if that even matters, uh, because we've seen that you don't need uh, like a five-star star-studded quarterback to do the damn thing at Georgia. You just need somebody who understands the system and can get it done and get it done well. Uh, is that Carson Beck or does it even matter? We'll, we'll, you know, we'll wait and see. And I think the next thing, I think a big question for us, because we've had this for the last two seasons and it made all the difference with Jordan Davis and then, um, uh, Jalen Carter. Thank you, Jalen Carter. Carter. So you're thinking my brain blank for just a moment. Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, um, is, you know, I think the next folks are like Nazir Stackhouse and, um, uh, Zion Logue are going to be the, the next guys who are in that position. And one of them may very well be the next in line to go to philadelphia essentially <laughs> um and so we'll we'll see if if we can truly reload in that position i think that'll make all the difference for us but those are my ifs if those things can happen and that's a pretty short list of ifs to your your credit there um yeah Jay anderson 25 yeah i think this is a helpful this is like the helpful version of the worst case scenario game so mm-hmm. uh, okay so a couple of things i think you know, the Michigan question is just like, does Michigan have Michigan has proven that it has the sort of recruiting pedigree. Maybe their recruiting pedigree isn't quite Alabama, Georgia, OSU yet, but they're, they're close enough that they've won against OSU two times in a row. So I guess the big if is if you can keep the secret sauce against uh, OSU, which has just been running the ball down their throat, right. And relying on bad weather, kind of, well, they, they won fair and square. And then second, (laughs) can you get a national championship level season out of J.J. McCartney? And I think that because Stett won two national titles, people assume that Stett isn't talented. And Stett, I know, is not like he's not, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whatever. But I think the thing about him was that he was always going to get you closer to winning the game. He was never going to have a moment where he treaded water. And he might make you less likely to win the game occasionally, but he he was never just like sort of a neutral part of your plan of attack. And I think sometimes the problem with Michigan quarterbacks in the past has been like they're fine, right? How much do they do? What's their win above replacement? Like how what's their win share contribution, right? Like I think that really matters. Uh, for Ohio State, I think it's just like, look, man, you gave up two 14-point leads in the second half of a game against a team that was the best team in the nation in the eventual national title or the eventual national champion basically because your defense couldn't hold the lead, right? And I know they've switched defensive coordinators and they play more, they play a little bit more comp. But the, I guess the question is like, you know, in the past they've had the, the Joey Bosa's, the Chase Young's, like, can you either find enough of a pass rushing dif- dif- difference maker or just have a defense that is well coached enough that you can hold a lead, right? Because a 14 point lead should matter. Like, and it didn't against Georgia. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to keep these pretty narrow. 
Uh, Bama, if Bama has a good quarterback, they'll be fine. They haven't had a difference maker maker at quarterback or every time that they've had a very successful season recently, it's because they had a difference maker at quarterback. I have a suspicion that we're about to find out how good Bryce Young is by how much they step back. I think that's why a lot of people are predicting them to take a step back this year. I think they're going to be really good at pretty much every position. The question is just, can they find the right quarterback who can do what Bryce Young did? Let's see. Uh, Texas. I mean, can they stop being Texas? That's easy. Oregon. Can Bo Nix stop Bo Nixing? USC. Alex Grinch hasn't had a good defense on the field since like Mike Leach was at Washington state who is, who is that's USC's uh, defensive coordinator. And then this didn't, this didn't give me any like hope in this, this arena, but the other day or Saturday, USC gave up 28 points to San Jose state. If Mm -hmm. USC can, can field a defense that is good enough to hold serve, they have an offense that can win a national title, but I don't know if that's the case. Um, I think I hit, Oh, Mm -hmm. FSU. FSU is really good. I don't know that they have the depth. If they if they truly have a not just a, a blue chip ratio team where half of their players are blue chip recruits, but they like truly have the depth that OSU and Bama and UGA have, I think they can do it. I think Jordan Travis is a really good player. Uh let's see. Clemson, I mean, look, can you does is what's his name? Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's brother is their new offensive coordinator. Does Garrett Riley is he the answer? on the offense they're they're starting Clay Kubnick uh, they lost both their coordinators and they just looked lost last year are your new coordinators the answer that's those kind of where my head's at um who did you say that South Carolina played what do you mean USC no 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 <laughs> USC is like Southern California oh USC I thought you said South okay I I was thinking USC junior for a second I was like Nathan that was South Carolina State I'm glad they're on the same page never mind <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it, I think the people at at what is it uh, Heritage Hall would really love that you thought I was talking yeah. about South Carolina. I do. Um, lovely. Yara, do you have any ifs to add? Not this moment. All right. Next question from Christine Ryan, which is, which is also Christine London. Uh, over the off season, what was the best game? Uh, any medium that each of you played, and what was the best thing that each of you ate? What a lovely question, wholesome oh, question. Yara, do you want to kick question. us off for this one? Sure. Um, I just won a really heated Uno game yesterday, and that was pretty awesome. So that was a cool game. It's classic. classic. It's classic. Oh, yeah. And the best thing I ate. Um. Ooh, for my 21st birthday, it was technically the day after my 21st birthday, which I don't know how I, I don't know how I survived, but I went to a Brazilian steakhouse in Atlanta with my family and it was so good. I'm like a fiend for Brazilian steakhouses, y'all. Like I just really, really enjoy steak and any, you know, (laughs) I don't know, beef, I guess, lamb, chicken, et cetera, in any capacity. So that was the best thing I ate. Uh, I would say for me, obviously, the the best game, well, not obviously, but for me, the obvious best game was Baldur's Gate 3. I, I mean, I did play Tears of the Kingdom over the offseason, and so it's one of those two. I still, Baldur's Gate 3 just, I, it has my, I don't know, just like my nostalgia vote. Um, I would say 
best food? Huh, that's a really good question. We went to Chuck's for, yeah, so we went to Chuck's and our very good friend Ben Pawlowski hooked us up with all sorts of like extra stuff that he somehow comped on our ticket or whatever, uh, which made it obviously taste better. But he got us some like off menu stuff. And I just loved exploring like what sushi can be like. I, 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 I don't know how to talk about this without sounding super pretentious, but like I love sushi and I love like. Someone just brings me rolls and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm going to eat it. What was it? Oh, cool. Great. That's how that tastes. Like that was just like a really fun experience. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jay Bray? Uh, in the realm of sushi, I'll say one of the best games I played in the off season was Dave the Diver. Fantastic game. Oh, Incredibly so hypnotic. Um, yes. You Essentially, the premise is you are this little guy who is a professional diver who gets involved with a sushi restaurant that helps fund the dives. But... Uh, you're also exploring this fictional like cove um, that changes every day and it's side scrolling and it's kind of like um, 128 bit and it's really gorgeous and it's really fun and like all kinds of things. There's like a mystery involved and it changes a lot. So um, very gorgeous game and it builds yeah. on itself. It is a game. Well. It is one of those games that I would recommend to like any human. Like I, yeah, I think anybody it, would enjoy it. I think it is. It is very palatable. It has all sorts of jokes, and it's like one of those things that like a kid could play this game. They would miss some of the jokes and references, but they would still love it. And mm-hmm. and the and one of the base messages of the game is that like we should take care of our ecology. One of the things mm-hmm. we're really encouraged to do is to like hunt and catch invasive fish and stuff. I I, I love it. Oh yeah, highly. One, one of the best things I ate, I will say. I'll I'll call back to my time at Disney World. I found. Um, this place at Disney Springs, which is like the, uh, you know, the outside Disney theme park, um, strip mall, basically that's all Disney themed still, but there's this little place that, um, the story goes that there's this bakery called Gideon's Bakehouse, I think it's called. And Gideon is not a real person in the sense that like Gideon isn't at the, you know, uh, like isn't at the bakery or anything, but the guy who opened and owns the bakery and founded it he found this cookbook from like 1890 or something. And in the margins were like all sorts of notes and things. And it was really uh, like notes about all the recipes and like coming to the the perfect versions of each of the things. Um, and somewhere in the book itself, it was signed Gideon. And so in an effort to, he said like he took all of these ideas and, and ran with them. And in an effort to like make sure that Gideon was able to be part of like the final product and become a baker. Uh, he named the bakery Gideon's Bakehouse. Um, and so it's a really sweet story. And it was this little place in Orlando um, that somebody at Disney really loved, I think, and asked them if they wanted to open a flagship in this Disney Springs place. And they helped them design it. And it's really gorgeous. And it basically looks like uh, if Tim Burton designed a bakery because uh, it's kind of spooky and everything. But the cookies are awesome. The cakes are awesome. Everything was perfect, and I loved it. And I think that was one of the best things that I ate in the offseason. So I, I'm just I'm just <clears throat> doing a little bit of... I, I just wanted to do a brief bit of research about mm-hmm. what you just said. Okay. Which so. Part? And I, and I don't want to, I love the narrative. I love the fictional narrative or nonfiction narrative of Gideon's Bake House. But Gideon's Bake House, so far as I can see, did open in 2016. And yes. what you just described as sort of the background of this restaurant 
is just the plot of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is a book that came out in 2005. <laughs> so I do wonder. I like, do wonder. I didn't know that. Okay. That's very funny. I mean, because it's like, you know, Harry has a potions book and it has all these notes on it. Yes. And the Half-Blood Prince yeah. is Snape. So originally the first name of the, the, the bakery was going to be Severus's <laughs> Bakehouse. And they had to change it. I'm joking. The last thing we'll kind of do with this episode is, you know, every season I have introduced a bit. I'm kind of formalizing it now at this point and saying this is the bit I'm going to run with for the rest of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have taken to AI. ChatGPT and I have been having some moments together and we have created what I think should be a lot of fun. It is going to be um, some poems. I'm going to introduce a poem. It's kind of like a, a full circle back to one of our, our first bits, Nathan with the poetry corner that we used to do. And ChatGPT and I are creating poems that I'll be debuting in the preview of each uh, each preview episode, um, so before games. And so ChatGPT and I spent some time together. I was feeding it all sorts of things and prompting it and getting it ready to spit these things out. And uh, the, the requirements that I gave ChatGPT in the end were, I need you to write me a poem. I need you to make them sexy. I need there to be an underlying theme to each of these poems for uh, a narrative structure that goes from enemies to lovers of the main characters. Um, And then I told it that I needed the mascots to be having sex. And it told me that that is not okay. And I said, well, I need you to make it sexier. (laughs) It said, I'll add some more allure, but I won't cross any boundaries. And I said, it's okay. I'm consenting to you crossing boundaries a little. And it said, that's against my content policy. And I was like, you do you. Um, And so this is what we got. So I'm pretty excited about it. I have written an overall poem with ChatGPT, my friend. We have come together and we have created this masterpiece that details our whole season. Just a quick so have we, overview have, of the season. Before you, before you start this, mm-hmm. have we decided on a name? Because I see that you have some options. Yes, we and have some I, options I just, here. We I want to lock this in. Yes, we had Beyond the Playbook. Which, you know, it is what it is. Field of Fantasies, which could be very good. That Saying it out loud makes me feel better about it. Um, after Hours in the End Zone, Between the Whistles, uh, Touchdown Tangles, <laughs> or you could do like Touchdown Entanglement, or I think the, the winner that we're going to come back to, you know, Trust Your First Instinct, Justin's Gridiron Desires, uh, because really, these are my own Gridiron Desires. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, hold on. I think we're going you, with it. I, I want you to just say, now it's time for Justin's Gridiron Desires. I'm going to give you a little like ASMR background, okay? and then we can go into it. <laughs> now it's time for Justin's Gridiron Desires. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Hit us with that bass, baby. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to read this to y'all, and this is going to detail our season. Uh, here we are. I think this one's called... I, I like titling this poem who holds the leash oh my god (laughs) in the heart of the south as the season unspools uga's passion ignites breaking all the rules with every opponent an intimate embrace where rivalry blurs in a fervent space first the skyhawk of ut martin dives deep together they explore where secrets do seep underneath stadium lights their fervor does peak whispers and moans neither is meek Ball State's Cardinal, with a flutter and sigh, draws Ugga close, wings brushing his thigh. (laughs) In hidden corners, their desires do meet, sensual and heated, a clandestine feat. South Carolina's Gamecock struts into view with Ugga, a dance both wild and new. 
Their silhouettes blend. Feathers and fur collide. Nathan, stop clicking. <laughs> Can't read. In Midnight's Embrace, they don't hide. The UAB dragon's fire meets Ugga's heat. Their bodies entangled every heartbeat. In the shadows they play, fervor hard to curtail, where flames and desires daringly prevail. Auburn's tiger, with a growl and a purr, finds Ugga's touch, makes the world a blur. In enemy territory their passions do flare, intense and raw, an electrifying affair. Kentucky's wildcat, with claws and a bite, draws Ugga close, lighting up the night. In passionate throes, they lose all restraint, their fiery union of vivid love paint. <laughs> Vanderbilt's commodore, with a sailor's finesse, pulls Ugga close, their desires they confess. By the docks, they passionately explore, lost in each other, wanting even more. Florida's gator, strong jaws and all, with Ugga finds a love that will not fall. In Jacksonville's heat, they passionately entwine. Their steamy tryst feels like sipping fine wine. <laughs> Missouri's tiger, fierce and wild, draws Ugga close, passions undefiled. Together they revel in love's fevered dance, lost in a moment in a heated trance. Old Mrs. Rebel, the bear with a roar, takes Ugga like never before. Together they find a rhythm so true, bodies and souls melding anew. Tennessee's volunteer, rugged and strong, pulls Ugga close, which is a theme here. All night long, it says, their fervor peaks, passions set free. Together they discover ecstasy's spree. And finally, Georgia Tech's yellow jacket with a sting so sweet finds an Ugga. A heat so fleet. Together they buzz in Atlanta's night in passion's glow taking flight. And that is our season. Justin. Thoughts, dreams, desires, concerns. We've we've been doing this since 2015. And yes. in that time, I have said some things that almost got me fired from two different jobs. And so I need <laughs> you to understand what I'm saying in the proper historical context. That was the wettest wildest shit i have ever heard and i so oh this is fanfic big time when i talked to nathan about this i said chat gpt and i are gonna write some fanfic about the season i need you to be ready for it and this I was is what not, we got i was wrong i thought i was ready i thought i was ready i read i read i read a 500,000 word Germani this weekend to get ready for this and not ready like I would let me I wasn't, so, I wasn't ready. Let's go back to where you said Lost you were reading Dramione fan fiction. Let's let's touch on that. Cause what? <laughs> Yara, 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 my sweet summer child. I have read every major Dramione fan fiction published since like twenty eighteen. If this <laughs> poem was Love Island. <laughs> okay. Tell us what we need to know about it, Yara. <laughs> Just bringing it all back to youth outreach. This is a youth youth outreach initiative. What? <laughs> what is going on? Oh my god! Wait, can you repeat the question, please? The question was: Bring this back to Love Island. Can you find the Love Island in all of this? What would we need? What would be the narratives we were, we're talking about if this poem were Love Island? Um. Which of these mascots? Like which? Which of these loves rings true? If any. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> this is a. Hold, I'm not done processing this yet. I don't think. 
this is a wow. I wow. I'm I don't think I'm over oh god. There was like one specific part that together they revel in love's fever dance lost in a moment in a heated trance. Like that was that was bars, but also like it blew my mind a little bit. I haven't recovered yet. For me it was old Mrs. Rebel, the bear with a roar. Taking Ugga like never before. Together they find a rhythm so true. Bodies and souls melding and anew. Like I mean, they made if, if something new. If your question is which is the most like fan fictional, it's the Tennessee's volunteer rugged and strong. Oh, Calling yeah. someone rugged is that's very AO3. It's necessary. I also liked liked the 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 rendezvous down by the docks with the Commodore. <laughs> I guess he's a sailor. <laughs> he's a sailor. They're lost in each other, wanting even more. Oh man! So what this is going to look like going forward, I think, is that I will expand on some of these in the pre pre uh, the preview episodes leading into each of these games, and we'll see see what we come up with. We'll figure out who holds the leash. I think that might be the name of this <laughs> this this segment. I, I t- I'm I'm so rarely at a loss for words. <laughs> this has been Chapel Bell Curve. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on any social media: Blue Sky, X, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at ChapelBellCurve.com. If you'd like to support us, you can give us a rating or review on Discord. No, not Discord. I don't know what words are. Nothing means anything. <laughs> Nothing Spotify, makes sense anymore. Yes, Spotify, Apple Podcast, any place, any podcast day of choice. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve for as little as $1 a month. You get access to what we think is a very worthwhile, uh, an incredibly worthwhile service and access to a really great community of patrons. We will catch you this weekend in the classic city and parts unknown. You can all you should all get on the patreon because you're gonna have to pay for our therapy bills for what just happened uh in our <laughs> who, who holds the lease segment and we will catch you at the ut martin game this weekend but until then go go dogs, dogs. <laughs>